Despite Jesus' words today, I think that most of us have a soft spot in our hearts for hardworking and long-suffering Martha. My affection for her dates back to the hot summer, like this one, of 1985, when I was sent to do clinical pastoral education at Sick Kids Hospital, just up the street here. When I initially signed up for it, I thought that the whole point of the course was to give me the skills to work with suffering children and their families in my future ministry. Well, it turned out I was completely wrong. The point of the whole exercise, CPE as it was called, was in fact to force us, a group of divinity students, to get in touch with our own deeply buried feelings. The theory being that if we couldn't do that, then we would never be able to understand the feelings of others. And so in the end, it turned into 12 grueling weeks of group therapy based on a book that was called Your Inner Child of the Past. And each day, for an hour, we had to discuss the author's ideas with our group and in the process, peg our own personality type. And I ended up in the category called The Good Boy, which as it turns out, isn't as good as it sounds. The Good Boy or the good girl always has to be on their best behavior because they are afraid that if they're not, then people won't like them. That's what I was told. I didn't see any problem with that at the time, which apparently was the problem. Then our supervisor went on to explain that good boys and good girls can be bossy, judgmental, and prone to whining about other people's bad behavior. And that cut a little close to the nerve because that was true. And because this was a course that was designed for seminarians, the director then assigned a scriptural figure to represent each of our categories. And who was mine? Well, you guessed it, Martha. Martha, the ultimate good girl, doing all the right things, but perhaps for the wrong reasons, we are told. We were told that those of us in her category had to learn that God would love us for just who we were and not for what we did. And I must admit, that was both a liberating and a frightening idea at the same time. But let's be clear. Martha today has done exactly what Jesus wanted people to do. She has welcomed him. And we can presume his entire entourage with him into her home. And let's also be very clear on that point. St. Luke tells us that this was her home, not her sister Mary's, nor her brother Lazarus, who isn't even mentioned in this morning's gospel. Martha, therefore, had no choice but to be the host in her own house. And as we all know, that can mean a lot of work. By being hospitable to her guests, Martha was not only fulfilling the traditional obligations of Near Eastern courtesy, she was also fulfilling Jesus' wish, his hope, expressed just two weeks ago, you may recall, in that gospel about the 70 missionary disciples, that whenever they should enter a town, that its people will welcome them, and that they should eat whatever is set before them by the host. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, Jesus says, your peace will rest on that person. Well, surely today, that was Martha. She was only doing exactly what Jesus himself had wanted everyone to do 
when he or one of his representatives should show up on their doorstep. So if that is exactly what Martha did, then why does Jesus get a little testy with her when she complains that her sister Mary isn't doing her fair share of the work? Most of us, after all, I think can sympathize with Martha. Guests have arrived, you expect your family to help out a little, yet somehow you're the one who ends up stuck in the kitchen by yourself, fixing the drinks, making the appetizers, and running back and forth to the living room as if you were the hired help. And instead of encouraging Mary to get up and do something, Jesus commends her apparent inactivity and chastises Martha for being the consummate host. That doesn't seem fair. See, I'm still the good boy. But is that really what Jesus is doing in today's gospel? I think not. The key to understanding this whole story today, which in many ways is more of a parable than it is anything else, is one very brief phrase. It's not even a whole sentence that we can easily skip over without noticing. Mary, we are told, sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. Now, at first glance, that just seems like a little bit of narrative description, sort of like saying, you came to my house, we sat down at the kitchen table, we had some tea, we had a chat. But it's actually much more than that. You see, the expression to sit at someone's feet was code. It was a code in the ancient world. And it meant that you were someone's disciple. Now, rabbis in ancient Israel, they worked very, very hard to develop schools of disciples, but one thing they did not do ever was include women in them. Women were not meant to learn the law. They were not encouraged to seek the wisdom that was found in scriptures. They were only required to observe what had been handed down to them through the centuries for the proper maintenance and management of their home and their family life. And if you've ever seen the film Yentl, you will understand that. So what Mary was doing was in fact radical. And it essentially announced to the world that Jesus' wisdom was meant to be shared with everyone. The poor, the outcast, the marginalized, and the women. There was no longer a caste system which said this group matters and this one doesn't, despite sometimes the message that our own church still manages to send. And that is why when Martha complains about being overworked, Jesus says to her, Mary has chosen the better part. It's not that Martha's work is unimportant, it absolutely is. But what Jesus is offering her is something new, and it is something liberating, and it is meant for everyone, even for the people who thought that their place was only in the kitchen. Jesus was reminding her and all of us that we simply do not live by bread alone. It's very easy for us, especially today when we seem busier than ever and are constantly connected to one another, and to work, and to our family, and to our friends through our cell phones and the various social media out there, it, it is very easy for us to be pulled in different directions, many different directions at exactly the same time, just as Martha was this morning. And so what Jesus is saying to her, he is saying to us as well, take some time and choose the better part. 
in the midst of all of your activity and the distraction and the noise all around us, choose silence once in a while so that we can hear Christ's voice and make sense of the busyness of our lives. What Jesus is really telling us through Martha is that we must make time for prayer because it is precisely in prayer that we have the chance to sit at his feet and to listen. That means that even the important work that we do here as Christians to help the poor and the sick, the refugees and the marginalized must first be grounded in prayer and in his word because if it's not, then we as a church run the risk of simply becoming a social club or a welfare agency, and Christ wants us to be so much more than that. And that is precisely why St. Luke places this story of Martha and Mary in his gospel immediately after the story of the Good Samaritan that we heard last week. Because Luke and Jesus keenly understood that if we don't find time to sit at his feet and to rest in him, even our good activities can become sources of anxiety and tension for us. And the busier that we become performing those good deeds, but ungrounded in his love and in his word, that will just make our service to this world joyless. Perhaps a little like Martha's was this morning. And please God, spare us from sour-faced saints. If we were all Martha's all of the time, constantly hustling about, forever busy, and complaining about it, our world would become absolutely joyless. It would become a place full of good boys and good girls, the ones that my clinical supervisor warned us against, doing all of the right things, perhaps even for all the right reasons, but not in the right spirit. On the other hand, if we were all merry all the time, quite frankly, nothing would ever get done. But if we follow Jesus' advice to Martha today and take the time to sit at his feet so that we may have in us the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, then we will find that sacred balance between a life of prayer and a life of action. A bird, as we know, cannot fly on one wing. It needs both. When we breathe, we must both inhale and exhale. Much of life is all about living in balanced pairs. And amidst all of the important work that God has put us on this earth to do, the divine energy that we need to do it joyfully flows into us whenever we take that time to sit at the feet of the Master and in the silence of our hearts hear his voice speaking to us once again, helping us to discern what is truly important what is truly necessary, and quite simply, what is not. And then, in the strength that we find from resting in him, the Lord will send us back into the kitchen, or into the office, or to our neighbors, or to the mall, or to a doctor's waiting room, but renewed in the power and the strength of his spirit, so that we can be his hands, and his eyes, and his ears, and his voices, like Martha, serving this world that he loves so very much. Amen.